And welcome to a slightly different episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, my co-host, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Uh, it's been a week. It's been, yeah. It's been a year yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, For a lot of different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may have noticed that we did not put out an episode uh, as per the schedule recently. Which is uh, a shame. Nor- we recorded it. It's there. Yeah, it's recorded. It's done, edited. It was done on time. But between the time that we recorded it and the time that it was done being produced, the the world has certainly seen its fair share of changes, uh, not all of them pleasant. And it did not seem appropriate for us to put out an episode at that time, nor for the immediate future does it seem appropriate for us to put out an episode. And it's weird to think about, Jonathan. Do you realize when we sat down to record, that was when George Floyd was murdered? Yeah, and I don't think either of us had read the news yet. No, no, I remember reading. I I saw the video was circulating Twitter by the time I went to bed. And I I vaguely remember seeing it that night right before I went to bed. And it was, um, it's, yeah, and just, just everything that happened in the subsequent eight days between when we record and when we podcast. Because it, it. That episode will see the light of day sometime, I'm sure. And it will have a preamble in front of it, yeah. I'm sure, that will say something to the effect of, yeah, Black Lives Matter. We recorded this right when uh, right when George died. It was, it was, it's... Suffice it to say, we're not a political podcast, nor do we ever kind of move into that area, because it's just not what we do. We're creating a podcast about board games and video games and geeky stuff and having fun, and... That is important, but not as important as what we are seeing in the news today with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. And we wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, It's a little unscripted. It might seem a little unhinged. Uh, Hopefully this comes together in editing. But it is it's it's an important discussion to have. And we hope that you'll join us uh, for the next few minutes as, as we have that discussion. Uh, I know that I have found several different uh, items of information and strategy that we can utilize moving forward, and I, I hope that you'll find them as useful as I have. And we'll just kind of talk a little bit and then see where this takes us. So before we do anything else, I did want to just kind of make a statement about where we sit on the fence of the world and that it's important to us. And that is to say that Black lives absolutely matter in every way, shape, and form. And racism of any sort should never be tolerated. And we would urge you not to just accept it in any way, shape, or form, but to also stand up and say something should you ever see it. And for a non-political podcast, that still needs to be said out loud. And it needs to be stated that if you do not believe that way, maybe this is not the podcast for you. And I'm not afraid to say that out loud. Then then let's not be. If if you don't believe in that, if you want to write us a nasty whatever, uh, just stop because I don't really care to listen to it. This is not the podcast for you. I do not want you listening to us. Not as much as some, but it indirectly, you know, affects me and Jonathan. My wife is of a different ethnicity than I am. You know, we're a multiracial couple. I see things. Like okay, well here you go. Let, let's talk about everyday casual racism. This this is this has been my this was my first experience with microaggressions, and this is how I found out that that is not 
uh, bullcrap, which a lot of white people seem to think is bullcrap. So uh, I've talked about it a little bit. Uh, were this a normal episode, I'd be talking about it a lot more because uh, my buddy Robert died recently and, uh, I did a bit of a movie marathon for him, but, uh, he was all part of this. Uh, I dated a girl for six years. She was white. Um, we, we did way too long. It, it was not a great relationship, but the, the funny thing is we'd go out to restaurants, her and I together a lot and people would just assume that we were married. They would just say it. They would just say for your wife, for whatever, you know? And I don't know why. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. It happens to this day when we're out with our children that people assume that Gina and I are not married. They refer to her as my girlfriend. I've had it happen recently. Um, and yeah, you know, it's just, it's just subtle, you know, but it's one of the things I notice it every friggin' time it happens. And it's really easy to think sometimes, especially if you're a white guy, that, you know, there is no such thing as institutional racism and there is no such thing as like implicit bias or whatever, because you know what? You just don't friggin' see it every day. Yes, that is my statement of, yes, this stuff matters to me. It affects my family straight up. Not as much as many, but you know what? This is not the podcast for you if you're going to be saying stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've made no secret of this on the show. I uh, come from a Hispanic background. My mother is Argentine, was born in that country. I'm a first-generation American. And two of my children are half Mexican and therefore have darker skin. And it's sometimes a little difficult to talk about because they're just innocent kids and they don't deserve it. But there have been several instances where I've had to deal with people that are treating them differently. And it's not because of their age and it's not because of who they are, but it's because of the color of their skin. And it's disgusting in every way, shape and form. And it's not fair. And so, yeah, this stuff really matters. And it's interesting if you were to ever meet my sister, you'd never guess it because she has a lot more melanin in her skin than I do. And for whatever reason, my genetics took after my dad and I came out with uh, paler skin, more like the Scottish heritage that that he is. And there's nothing worse than hearing people talk because they think that you're in on the joke uh, because you know, they would never guess that you are uh, half minority. And yeah, it's just tough. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just, I'm not even getting the worst of it. And I have to deal with it. And it brings me to tears pretty regularly, especially in regards to my kids having to deal with it. So I can't even imagine what what some of these poor folks are going through. Because if 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 I'm going through this much emotional turmoil over it, and I'm not getting the full force of it. I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird just being on the, on the uh, periphery of it. Uh, you know, when you get the occasional reminder of how you know deep that rabbit hole goes, uh, it, it's just really jarring. Because I, I am a very cynical person, and I, I will try to rein in some of that today. But I, I do legitimately believe that most people are basically good. Like I, in that philosoph- philosophical argument, that's, oh, I do too, without a doubt. But the problem is like there's just a lot of stuff that people just don't don't really realize that they're doing and you know i and as a white guy i i am very very unfamiliar with talking about race and race relations because i don't really have i i until i got married to a minority i didn't even have to deal with it and so it's like really it's a really weird topic to bring up but like one of the things i realized um 
just about George Floyd and all that. I was going to great lengths to not let my children see anything above about it because it was it was really disturbing, like the video. And, you know, uh, uh, my daughter, uh, who's the only one probably old enough to really get what's going on, uh, you know, she she's she's an anxious kid, man. She like she's sensitive. And I just I just didn't want to deal with it with her. And and, you know, but I kind of I kind of came to the conclusion a couple of days ago that shielding her from all this is is privilege too. she looks a lot like me. I, I do not think people will be even suspect that she's half Asian uh, as she grows up. And, you know, but but me, me doing that, me shielding her from it and not letting her see what's going on. I mean, I, I, straight up, that's just kind of racist. Like I, I am using my privilege to make her unaware of things that are going on. And I have the ability to do that. That that is something that because I know I we <laughs> if there's anything that seems to be our demographic of our listening audience. It's that there's a lot of uh, nerdy dads out there. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is it is really disturbing, the stuff. But you know what? It's not you're not doing your children any favors by trying to shield them from it. And, you know, because, I mean, this is this is how things are. And this is how people have been dealing with stuff. And there are people there. There's that friggin horrible image. There's this girl that's like Awen's age or younger getting friggin maced at a protest. Yeah. You know, and it's like that was that was the one that got me i mean it's like there's this little girl who just got a face full of of this stupid nonsense and i'm i'm sitting here cringing about you know and i'm not i'm not running out and showing my daughter you know it's like let's go watch all nine minutes of george floyd dying like you know i'm not gonna like scar her for life but i've been like i've been putting on like the news because you know they tend to kind of sanitize things a little bit or at least not show the really really bad parts Um, and you know, I've been trying to open a dialogue with her and just, you know, get her take on it because, you know, it's important. She needs to know that stuff like this is going on and that, that, you know, that, cause if she's not exposed to it, she, she may come to that conclusion that it just doesn't exist, you know, or it's not as bad as they say or whatever, you know, you know, my eldest son is 13 and I've never, ever felt as dirty as a parent than when my wife and I had to sit down because we're trying to give him a little bit more freedom and we're letting him take walks with his friends and stuff like that. And I've never felt so disgusting as a parent than when we had to sit down and talk to him about what to do if he gets pulled over by a police officer because he's 13 and he has a big mouth and he runs it all the time and he wants to be right. And if he thinks in his heart of hearts that he's right, he's going to fight for that position and good for him. But we had to tell him, you know, if a police officer is pulling you over, you agree with everything they say and you do what they say. And even if you're wrong, even if they're wrong and they're saying that they're going to arrest you, let them and we'll we'll take care of it later. Never fight them because, you know, God, I don't know what I'd ever do if something were to happen to him like it's happening to these poor kids and these adults and it's just disgusting and not okay and it's important for us to let you know that this is affecting a lot of people in a very real way and even if it doesn't affect you directly you need to acknowledge it and understand that there is an issue and a big problem and you need to help in any way that you can
let's let's change gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about what can be done and what should be done, uh, and that it's a relatively easy thing to do that takes absolutely a small amount of time and effort on your part to potentially make a big change. So the first thing is um, you you live in a democracy. And so the first thing is to exercise that democracy. You have a right to address your city council, who are the bosses of your police force, at any time. And so I would urge you and plead with you to take a moment to educate yourself on what's going on in your area and to go to the next city council meeting and to let them know what your expectations are as a citizen of of the police and, and how you expect them to go about their... Uh, about their jobs, which is not to say to call them out because, you know, there's every likelihood that maybe nothing has happened in your area and maybe nothing will, right? I can definitely say that about my area in, in Cedar Park, Texas. While there might be some systemic racism issues, they've never gotten to the point where somebody has, has been killed. Not Not in the last, you know, years that I've been here, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held accountable. So, I wrote my city council and I wrote the leadership of my police force, a very long email that goes into the public record that forces them to start a conversation. And then I followed up with it. I followed it up with phone calls and additional emails until I got my voice heard. So that's something that you can do. And it takes next to no time to to, to write that letter and send it and then to follow up on it. Yeah. And if, if you want to see that hilariousness, uh, Cedar Park City Council does stream their meetings and Jonathan is a regular fixture on them. Yeah, I, it, I've, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm not willing to take, a, you know, anything but the best. Uh, and I call them on it. But in this particular case, you know, I I. I included a lot more people in the conversation because they needed to be. one of the uh, your, your adversaries shall we say uh, has even I don't think he said your name on Infowars but he has talked directly about you I've seen that a couple times oh yeah <laughs> and, and I mean he, like directly about you he doesn't dare say my name because I think he thinks deep inside that he'll conjure me and I'll pop out of a closet <laughs> well also you know if he endangers your life by getting people brigading on you that that would be fun but yes Secondarily, I would urge you to reach out to um, local advocacy advocacy groups uh, in your area. So I looked up on Google the uh, closest NAACP office, which happens to be in Austin, just south of uh, my city. I called them up and I was actually able to speak directly with the president of the NAACP chapter in Austin, uh, Nelson Linder, who is an amazing amazing uh, civil rights advocate. And we spoke for a good solid 20, 25 minutes on the phone. And I told him, you know, I've got the attention of my police chief. I'm going to be meeting with him. I want to know how to maximize that time with him. You know, what do I need to bring to the table? What do I need to ask him for? And what can I demand of him? And so he pointed out a couple of excellent resources, uh, He's even willing to speak with the city council and the uh, police force. So um, that's one of the things that I'm going to ask for. And another thing I found is the Pathways to Police Reform uh, Community Mobilization Toolkit, which is available on the NAACP website. And I will I will get off my laziness about show notes because 
fact, not a lot of people actually go to our website to like look at that that page in particular. I know a lot of people look at the pictures, but they nobody looks at the page. But I, I will put give, send me these links. I will I will put them in the show notes. So this toolkit is a, a remarkable document put together that tells you about the different things that the NAACP is lobbying for and that you as an individual can lobby for. Uh, and it's all very easy stuff to do. Um, Mr. Linder also gave me a, a couple other things that I wanted to bring up uh, that, that you can discuss. Um, ask your police about use of force statistics. Um, ask your police about their use of force guidelines. Um, ask them for the statistics around their traffic stops and their use of force incidents and how that relates to uh, race. Um, ask them what their minimum force standards are. And then ask them for a monthly meeting with the community uh, to discuss things and to hold them accountable for their actions. And as you look at these statistics, Mr. Linder said to, to look for trends and to look for problem areas uh, and to see if it, you know, is, is genuine, fair policing or if there are trends that need to be addressed. And if there are, bring them to your city council, bring them to your chief of police and then follow up with them and hold them accountable for it. There, there's a really good video that I saw today um, that encapsulates a lot of this, and it's from last week tonight, which is generally a pretty funny show, but this is a very, very important episode that I suggest everybody watches. But the, the episode shows all aspects of the problem and definitely calls out that police are doing much more than they were ever designed to do and that that is a part of the problem. Um, and... So take a, while, a look at this episode and watch it and, and just take a moment to absorb it because that's more that you can talk to your police force about um, if you reach out. to Yeah, them. I'd be interested if Cedar Park, what kind of military grade hardware they got from. I'll have answers for you soon. I'll be meeting with the chief. Very fascinating. Soon. Uh, there's also some books that you can read uh, that I would highly suggest that force you to analyze and look at what it means to, uh, you know, truly be an ally and a help in, in this quest for a truly equal society. Uh, there's been several lists that I've seen, uh, but the most complete one that I've seen uh, includes some titles like Uprooting Racism, How White People Can Work for Racial Justice, Race Talk and the Conspiracy of Silence, Understanding and Facilitating Different Dialogues on Race, um, towards the other America, anti-racist resources for white people taking action for Black Lives Matter. And there's, there's quite an extensive list. Um, pick some of these up, read them, interpret them, and put them to use. Uh, we'll include that list in the, uh, in the show notes as well. Yeah, if there's, if there's one thing I've learned about this entire situation is that if you're feeling uncomfortable then you're heading in the right direction and you need to lean into it. Don't shy away. Just lean into it because the uncomfortable conversation is the one that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And just to kind of sum it all up, look for ways to help if you can, you know, if it's easier to help financially, go to the NAACP's website and Give them what you can so that they can continue fighting their fight. 
if you can help in other ways, reach out to your community and try and start the change locally. Because if enough localities change, then it becomes a movement and movements can't be stopped. If you got jerkwads in your city council peddling conspiracy theories, uh, Forks, Washington, the setting of the Twilight films, that Forks, Washington, there's a guy in the neighboring town of Squim, which is right by my parents' place that I've talked about, uh, who owns a gun store and has been peddling in conspiracy theories. And he got all of the stupid yokels worked up that Antifa was busting in people to come loot the place. And because of that, they, uh, they harassed a family and cut down trees to block them from leaving a campsite and all of this stuff. And, you know, Forks, Washington is trying to say, that's not us. It's like, no, that is you. You need to take care of that. And people who peddle in conspiracy theories, they don't get to be in government. Make sure they're not. Do whatever you can to vote those people out of office because that is what happens. There's another town in Oregon where a whole bunch of gunned up yokels showed up in the middle of the town waiting for Antifa to show up. And then they had a beer party because Antifa never showed up because they were never coming. And they're like, we won. We beat Antifa. And it's like, what? And But this is what we've got peddling out there. You know, the, this is what's that. That is also something in block. If somebody is just doing nonsense conspiracy theories, like vote them out. They are not living in reality. The, the least that you can do is your civic duty. And that is to vote and learn about the candidates. It doesn't take that long. Look, I'm going to level with you. I understand what it is to be supremely busy. I work more than full time. I have five kids. Each of them, with the exception of the last three months, has after school activities that we're rubber banding to. Robert and I do the podcast. And yet somehow I still find the time to do some fun stuff, too. And and, and you were president of your HOA for a while. Uh, and yeah. and now you're uh, now you've got a nemesis on your city council. <laughs> Yes. And the, the, the point of the whole thing is, if I can carve out the 20 minutes that it takes to read about my candidates and to learn their position on things, and if I have questions to directly ask them, and if I can find the two hours or less, and I really specify the less, to go and vote on election day, anybody can. I understand it's a pain in the ass. I will be the first to admit that. And I understand that it's it, it can be difficult to find the time, but it's always been important, but never more than today. Eventually, things are, as far as the show goes, uh, are going to return to the, the normal schedule and the normal stuff. And we are still not going to become a political podcast. That's just not what we're interested in. Uh, but we did want to take this moment to have this discussion because you know, we want to make it absolutely clear that we're not going to tolerate any of any kind of racist behavior uh, in any regards to the show. And if those are your thoughts, then you just need to go someplace else. And then beyond that, take a few minutes. Don't have a cup of coffee one day or spend your video game hour doing something else or w whatever it takes. Just educate yourself a little bit and reach out to your local government because if they don't know how you feel, you cannot expect them to take action because inaction is the natural state for a politician. 
And then just take some time to listen to some minority voices because you will be pleasantly surprised. One, that a lot of people have a lot of weird stuff in common. And two, sometimes they make things that they make art that is outside your viewpoint and it's beautiful in a way that you can't fathom why, but you wouldn't have been exposed to it otherwise. So in a couple of weeks, we'll get back to releasing our normal nonsense um, and we will not be political anymore. We just wanted to take this quick moment to to have this discussion. And please, if you need a direction to go in, uh, take a look at our show notes and, you know, there's going to be a list of books that have been vetted from, by some from very, very wise and intelligent people. Um, there's going to be a list of things that you can do, uh, that have been worked on for 50 plus years by an amazing organization that deserves, uh, your 100% attention. And at the very least, Google your city's city council and Google your police leadership and let them know how you feel about everything and that they're being watched and being held accountable. And, and if you need any help finding any of these resources, being pointed in the right direction, how to address your city council, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I am more than willing to help you because I've already answered all these questions because uh, I've had to do it the hard way. There you go. Are we going to have theme music this time? Are we going to? No, no music in this. No episode. music in this episode. We're just going to kind of like cold go out. Yeah. And cold come in. Just, just, just none of our. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that the, the immortal words of Bill and Ted have never been more uh, applicable than they are today. And that is to be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan? Oh, wow. Was that it? That was a good way to go out. It's like we planned it. I <laughs> know when we started this 80 some odd episodes ago.